0: Hi, I'm Alexander Carpenter, Executive Director and Editor of Spectrum and host of Adventist Voices. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I always appreciate hearing from you. I'm kicking off a new series. It'll be intermittent, rolling out over the next weeks and months, focused on one thing, community engagement. This is not a theoretical conversation. I'm talking with the people who practice it, who have, who are and who will be focused on it vis-a-vis evangelism. I'll start off today talking with David Jamieson, who is the new president of Upper Columbia Conference in the Pacific Northwest of the United States. Before that, he was pastor of Church of the Valley in British Columbia for 20 years, he grew the church to over 900 members during his time there without focusing on traditional evangelism. Instead, he focused on, yes, community engagement, or as they called it at his church, AOK or acts of kindness. I'll let him define that and tell you some of the interesting examples and stories connected to his success there. I'll just give you a little bit of his bio information, He grew up in Canada, and he went to Berman University, what was then Canadian Union College, and that's where he met his wife, Chandra. He got his Master's of Divinity and his Doctor of Ministry from Andrews University, focused in evangelism and church growth, which I think is interesting, given the stories you're about to hear. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast.
1: Yes, I knew Sister White.
2: Will not
1: fear.
2: The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and
1: the lonely. I'll never forget it. Welcome to Adventist Voices Spectrum's podcast. I'm Alexander Carpenter, and I'm honored to be joined by Pastor. David Jamieson, the president of Upper Columbia Conference. And I want to thank you for joining us today. So good to be here with you, Alexander. I'm looking forward to talking to you about your role there at Upper Columbia Conference. But before we do that, I want to talk about your uh, previous life as the pastor of the Church of the Valley in uh, British Columbia. And uh, you are new in your role here as the president of a conference, but that's not the first time. You actually uh, were the president of uh, the Newfoundland Conference. And so I think your uh, history is really fascinating and I think there's some lessons for uh, church leaders and all us laity as well, as we think about how we can become um, uh productive members of our community and our local church. So let's get started. Um, Can you just talk a little bit about what your vision was as a pastor?
2: You know, I have been pastoring, you
1: could say for 36 years. And
2: there are several things that immediately come to mind. I would not pastor a church without having a vision. First of all, I believe that a leader needs to Uh, spend some time with God and ask God for a vision for the context that he or she finds himself in. And then secondly, you know, as we journey through pastoral ministry, we want to be able to cast that vision to a congregation in such a way that uh, they become excited about the mission of Jesus to reach out to lost men and women and boys and girls, for the kingdom that has been uh, another passion of mine that the church be outward focused reaching to the lost just like Jesus said in Luke 19 and verse 10 I've come to seek and to save that which was lost
1: um it sounds Uh, That's a very clear vision. Uh, I didn't hear the word evangelism in there. um, And I also am curious how you have been able to uh, grow one of the largest churches in the North American division. Church of the Valley, uh, last count, had over 900 members. Um, How did that happen without doing uh, evangelistic series every few uh, years? You know, we began to
2: put into practice ministry of healing page 143 Christ method quotes alone will bring true success in reaching the people and she talks about how Jesus mingled with men as one who desired their good he sympathized with them ministered to their needs won their confidence then he bade them follow me So at Church in the Valley and every other church that I've pastored over the years, we have used that model and put it into practice. So we've mingled, we've sympathized, we've ministered through what we have come to call acts of kindness in our community. And then we have had some evangelistic meetings, some Bible studies. As relationships have been built, we have had the opportunity to baptize and disciple many people for the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Can you talk more about uh, acts of service? I mean, acts of kindness.
2: Yeah. Acts of kindness uh, is a ministry of Church in the Valley in Langley, British Columbia, Canada. Quite a number of years ago, we decided to rename our community services to Acts of Kindness, a community outreach of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We believe that that branding, that that marketing, would resonate with people in the community, and we're absolutely right. AOK acts of kindness, nice. and so during the 20 years of ministry there, AOK has become known all throughout the Lower Mainland of British Columbia and and far beyond that, and it has very positive name recognition. People. Uh, Really appreciate serving others with no strings attached and with extreme generosity, not just to grow the church, but to grow the kingdom of God, because simply lost men and women and boys and girls matter to God. And so these were some of the foundational principles that we established AOK acts of kindness upon. And people in the community uh, began to resonate with it love it and even support it
1: i want to hear about some of those acts of kindness uh programs um you know often i think in churches there's some very clear roles pastor deacon um, uh, someone running the sound teaching some of the sabbath schools Uh, but i think for folks who have uh, other skills they sometimes wonder what they're doing there Uh, and I, what I know about acts of kindness is that you really found a way to, uh, give opportunities for people with a huge range of talents, including golfers. So tell us what were these, what were these opportunities?
2: Absolutely. I love to talk about this. Uh, You know, let's say it was 20 years ago, at least we stumbled upon a secret, I call it. And that is that when you activate people according to the talents, skills, passions and abilities that are already residing within them and invite them to use all of those skills, passions, abilities and talents for the Lord Jesus Christ, amazing things happen. First of all, people say, you mean to say that I can use my mechanics skills to make a difference in this world for Jesus? And the answer is yes. And others say, can I use my construction skills? I love to use power tools and hand saws and ham." Can I use that for Jesus? Absolutely. And those who enjoyed cooking and baking, we invited them to do that for Jesus. Why, you could do Tupperware for Jesus if you'd like. Anything. And so we had the privilege of leading people to do that, including the golfers. And so those that wanted to be involved in using their construction skills, we invited them to become a part of an extreme home repair team. And we basically, uh, an associate pastor and I were watching the television show, uh, Extreme Home Makeover, and we said, we can do that. And we didn't want to take their name and, and have any copyright issues at all. So we called ours Extreme Home Repair. And during the 20 years that I served at Church in the Valley, our team essentially totally renovated and restored homes, 20 of them for 20 families who were in desperate need. Wow. And then we invited our mechanics to uh, do oil changes uh, in the vehicles of single moms. We invited the the community to donate used vehicles to these mechanics. They repaired them and we gifted them to single parents and low-income families. We had people who were into cooking, involved in a breakfast club program feeding kids in the public elementary school five days a week every day throughout the school year and that went on for at least 18 well even more than that probably over 20 years and then we invited the golfers and we said would you like to golf for jesus and of course they were into that not only were they golfing with folks who were not christians and getting to know people but we activated them to have an annual aok charity golf classic and during the 20 years of doing that uh, these golfers Raised over $850,000, and 100% of those funds then went back into AOK acts of kindness to serve people in the community. Not a single salary or anything else came out of those funds. 100% went back, and the community loved that, knowing that every penny that they gave to AOK acts of kindness actually helped someone in need in the community.
1: Uh, that's inspiring uh, to me as a golfer. I would, I love a good tournament and I, could, I would love to do it with uh, uh, members of my own Adventist community. Uh, can you talk about how, you know, sometimes people get involved in programs at church and it just becomes an ordeal. How did you deal with burnout? I mean, you've had, you're involving hundreds of people. Um, how did you keep people motivated or give people breaks if they needed it?
2: Well, you know, another corollary to that secret of activating people according to the talents, skills, passions, and abilities that lie within them is that, first of all, they don't burn out. They love doing what they do, and they have a passion. They feel comfortable. They're not stressed because they have to be trained. What I've discovered is that when I go alongside of these church members who are engaged in acts of kindness is that they're training me to use power tools. They're training me to, to do things as a mechanic, and they love it. And what I've discovered over the years is that they say, get out of the way, pastor this is our ministry we love doing this and so i have not seen any of them burn out the way that our teams seem to decline is when actually some of these members pass away they keep going as long as they possibly can because they love doing their passion and again there's no training required and so this is you know the amazing aspect of this whole way and method of doing things it's i really believe it's a part of Christ's method alone
1: Hmm. let's talk a little bit about your history you went to um uh college there uh, what's now berman university there in canada you went to andrews university for your graduate work how did you uh, get into pastoring i
2: Attended an evangelistic series in probably April of uh, let's see, 1980. I had some Bible studies then thereafter with a pastor, and was baptized on September the 12th, 1981, over 40 years ago, and. I feel like I had a unique experience. I was only 19 years of age, which is an interesting time to be joining a church. And I remember having a grace experience with the Lord Jesus Christ on Friday evenings and Sabbath. I'd go into my bedroom and I'd listen to some gospel music. And uh, one of the songs uh, that I remember listening to, and actually it was a cassette at that time. Uh, it, It wore it out so much, I had to purchase another cassette of the same song. And it was, what a difference you've made in my life. Hmm. And Jesus made a difference in my life. And so um, shortly after that, I went on in 1982 uh, to a camp meeting, I guess it was, and Elder Jerry Karst, the conference president in Newfoundland at the time, made a call and said, is there anyone out in the audience who Uh, is a young person that feels called to the ministry or called to the teaching ministry. Well, all of a sudden, I felt myself going forward to this call for the gospel ministry and have never looked back. Uh, It has been uh, what I have been uh, designed to do, called to do. Went on to Canadian Union College, now Berman University, met my wife, Chandra, there. We've been married for 36 and a half years Four incredible kids and so on, Uh, all of them still in the church, um, still had a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and so on. And so it's just been um, an incredible journey for me. And I would say some miracles have happened along the way, but uh, that call to ministry is just as real today as it was way back in 1982.
1: That's a great uh, beginning uh, to your story. Um, I think one of the things that makes um, your story interesting is the fact that you, um, of course, went into pastoring, then you became a conference president, then you went back to pastoring. How did, um, I was actually at a recent forum meeting where folks were talking about the fact that we kind of have a. Uh, a funny idea in our church where we think of it—you know—if you're a successful pastor, then you become an administrator, and um, that doesn't always um, work, serve the church well. And um, often we lose a lot of really great pastors in our churches as a result of that. What made you step uh, uh, into uh,
0: pastoring again?
2: Well, I was conference president in Newfoundland. 23 years ago. And of course, when you are conference president, you're traveling quite a bit and visiting churches and schools and attending numerous meetings and so on. And so there was one point in the journey there as president in Newfoundland that I was gone for two weeks straight to committee meetings in Oshawa, Ontario, and then on to Lacombe, Alberta for the Canadian Union College uh, board and so on. And while I was gone, my wife was back at home with our four children. They ranged in age then from six months to 10 years of age, two daughters, two sons. They all got sick uh, with the flu, I guess, at the same time, so much so that my wife had to take them to the hospital. And the doctor said, where's your husband? And that must have sparked something in her when I got back from that trip. They uh, my wife said and the kids said to daddy, we'd like to have a family council because we would do that once a week or so and talk about family and a vision for our life together. And so I said, what's on the agenda for this uh, family council? And they said, well, there's only one item. And that is we'd like for you to go back into the pastor because you are gone too much. (laughs) I was having an amazing time as president and I didn't really want to. Uh, we would always take a vote at our family council, and so we did. And even with the six-month-year-old, someone held up his hand, and the vote came out five to one in favor that I go back into the pastoral ministry, simply because my family was too young for me to be away from them for so long. The other thing that really spoke to us at that time was, as I attended uh, committee meetings, president's meetings, and so on, There were numerous, and I mean not just one or two, but numerous individuals who came up to Chandra and I while we were there at meetings holding a six-month-old son. And they'd say, David and Chandra, wow, you're so young to be doing this. And uh, we just want to give you some advice. And they said, if we have one regret, it is simply that our kids are no longer with us in the church. And after hearing that several times over, uh, it dawned on me that we needed to put God first, family second, ministry third. And so I made that decision with the five to one vote to go back into pastoral ministry and went from the Newfoundland Conference to become Church in the Valley's lead pastor and was there for 20 and a half years and gave our family stability uh, in every way, uh, spiritually, relationally. They had a home base, a place to call home. And I believe that because of that, and the fact that we also uh, made sure that Shander, as a mother, was home with them in their early years and until they eventually got into school, that we laid a foundation for them that has been an incredible blessing to them. In every way, and then spiritually, because they're all in the church, active in the church, in a relationship with Jesus. And, you know, that's a testimony in itself, I believe, in regards to how God can lead. And uh, so that's a little bit of, of that story.
1: Thank you for sharing that. Uh, I love the visual of that family council meeting. You're um, relatively new in your role as we're talking right now there at Upper Columbia Conference. And you've already talked about some things, you know, you were before in this role, you were attending a lot of meetings. Um, You, I'm sure as a pastor thought, you know, if my conference would do this, if my president could do this, this would really make a difference in the church. Now you have an opportunity there. I know you're still, you know, in that kind of early stage of kind of gathering facts and and putting together your um, team and vision. But can you talk about some things that are important for you um, that you think could be helpful? You've got young pastors out there. You've got churches that don't really know um, what their vision is. Um, you know, how are you going to kind of tell your church, uh Um, Boards that you meet with that you want them to get into uh, acts of kindness? Is that um, where where, what are some specific things that you think could really make a difference at Upper Columbia?
2: Well, you know, we've had the opportunity to serve as a president uh, numerous times over the past 20 years, and we've always said no. No. this particular time, given an invitation to serve as president of the Upper Columbia Conference, I said no twice, and uh, but couldn't shake it. I was enjoying ministry at Church in the Valley more than anything, and uh, built a brand new facility there with everything needed to uh, reach forward into the community in even greater ways. But it seems like God was calling me to come to Upper Columbia Conference, and I believe it's because. Um, it's time for uh, me to maybe have an opportunity to demonstrate that uh, this vision for reaching lost men and women and boys and girls for the kingdom through Christ method alone, Ministry of Healing, page one forty three, can uh, definitely work in a conference as well. And so we've come to love on pastors and teachers and, and office staff and to uh, cast a vision towards the model of Christ's method alone. And uh, we believe that as uh, we move forward together, asking God for specifics of a plan, because I've been sharing already with pastors, teachers, and leaders, I don't have a plan, but I know someone who does have a plan, And if we come to him and ask in faith, believing that he is able to do something, that we are going to see miracles take place with our own eyes, and then we're going to fall down on our knees, and we're going to laugh, and we're going to cry. And because of God's great, miraculous power, we're going to say, we didn't do any of this. God has done it, and we're just getting the opportunity to be involved in A thrilling and invigorating, exciting ministry on his behalf, reaching out to one more, again, lost man, woman or boy and girl for the kingdom. And so uh, the Acts of Kindness model tying into Ministry of Healing, page 143, I I believe that's what God would like to see us uh, zero in on to engage with people in the community to serve them with no strings attached again, with extreme generosity to grow the kingdom of God and not just the church, simply because lost men and women and boys and girls matter to God. And knowing that service costs you something, but it is the pathway to God's miraculous blessings. And so we're at the beginning of our journey We're looking for God's exact vision of how to go about uh, serving people, making a difference in their lives so that they might be open to hearing what I call the most wonderful message in the entire world. And that is the Seventh-day Adventist message that we've been given when it's presented in a twofold context, in the context of the three angels message that's dear to us but also through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ as we reach out to people in the communities around us.
1: Well, thanks for sharing that. I have really enjoyed talking with you, learning about the history uh, and the vision that has uh, made our our global, uh, at least this part of our global Adventist family uh, flourish. Um, I wish you all the best in your role there. And again, thank you for talking with the Spectrum community.
2: Thank you so much for having me today, Alexander. God bless. Yes, I do,
1: Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and
2: the meek and the hungry and the lonely
1: i never forget.